0: In the courts, referees and the sports that you win ain't a friend of people are dark skinned, so they stand all the warriors and the leaders to the pen and the rest to Afghanistan Africans and Mexicans that officer you questioning the if should be resting it. Better watch your mouth in the south. I'm suggesting this. for your protection man.
1: Welcome to um a very task force driven (laughs) episode of RV Charts Municipal Mania. Mania,
0: mania, 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 mania.
1: Hey! Heard every Wednesday right here at 11 a.m. on LP 97.3 FM, Richmond Independent Radio. We're excited to be here, getting a couple shows in the can for y'all. So in case, you know, Fran and I need to take a break, we're not going to be taking a break from the airwaves because there's so much going on in the city right now. And one of the things I'm actually most interested to talk about and learn about is our um, task force to create a civilian Review board. Yeah. Uh, so we have some lovely guests, a multiple timer and a first timer, and so we will let them introduce themselves and also uh, their role within the task force. So, uh, Dr. coston you first.
2: Hi, I'm Dr. Eli coston I'm an assistant professor of um, gender, sexuality, and women's studies at VCU. I've also been doing work on civilian oversight issues here in the city for about four years now, and I am excited to be one of the co-chairs of the task force to establish civilian oversight of the Richmond Police Department.
3: Hi, my name is Angela Fontaine. I am the other co-chair of the task force to establish the CRB, uh, along with Dr. Koston. I currently work as a a consultant, uh, but my background is working in mostly community-based roles uh, nonprofits and, uh, and, uh, government, uh, programs, uh, focusing mostly
0: on, uh, edu- work and education. So that's me. Um, first, because I think a lot of people were, because we're coming out of a pandemic, a lot of people were not, um, always following what was going on. Um, why don't we have one of you guys explain exactly what your board has been tasked to do versus what the actual, Citizen Review Board itself is, so that people understand what the difference and what that process will look like.
3: Uh, So the task force of establishing the CRB was appointed uh, by city council in order to uh, provide um, recommendations to Richmond City uh, on creating the the oversight board. Uh, We don't, whether we call it a CRB or police oversight. Um, So we are um, nine community members who are coming together and uh, essentially letting the city know what we believe is in the city's best interest and the community's best interest for um, police oversight. Um, so the actual CRB will be what we suggest. So we're not actually reviewing cases at this time or anything like that, um, although gathering that information is still very pertinent and we want to uh, hear, uh, hear from the community in regard to that as well. Uh, this... Board will also have subpoena power um, and independent investigators. Um, So, uh, if you look at other CRBs from across the country, um, they all have varying levels of power. um, Some of which just kind of provide some suggestions. Some of which actually, uh, uh, you know, have more uh, ability to uh, to hold officers accountable. Um, So, yeah, we're we're going. We're going to ours will you know, have some kind of power, and investigative <laughs> powers.
1: Hi. Yeah, but dogs are like, hey, how's it going? They're always the co-stars. <laughs> always when I'm trying to ask a question, too. <laughs> so what sort of backgrounds does the task force have, the members of the task force have, um, that have come together to uh, create, you know, the recommendations?
3: So-, um, so my my background, I mean, I have a degree in criminal justice. I um, have worked with Mostly uh, individuals who have been transitioning out of prison or have done a lot of work with uh, Richmond Police Department or um, Richmond Sheriff's Department in mentoring individuals who are incarcerated there. Um, so that's kind of where my passion lies is is uh, I knew that I couldn't go headfirst into the system. I wanted to figure out how to help people come out of it through work and education, essentially. Um, other individuals, um, one of, we have a Well, a young gentleman whose name is Oliver, who is a teenager who uh, goes to St. Christopher's, I believe, who happens to be, he's our tech guy, he's awesome. Um, And he has a passion for criminal justice reform as well. Um, I'll let Eli kind of take over from here.
2: Um, Yeah, so my background is in sociology um, and studying disparities in the criminal legal system particularly as they relate to LGBTQ people and racial and ethnic minorities. Um, And so I've had an interest in police reform work for quite a while. Um, I know that we have other people who have been incredibly active in the community. Um, You know, Ed and Jewel both do fantastic work in the community. Sylvia has done work with the NAACP here in Richmond for some time. And then we have another professor on on the task force, um, Eric Nielsen, who's over at University of Richmond. So we really come from a pretty diverse set of backgrounds and skill sets, um, but all of that brings something to the table in terms of how how we have seen the community respond to um, issues of over-policing, what various community stakeholders wants and needs might be and so I think having that that breadth of background, but all coming with a common goal of saying, hey, there are problems that need to be addressed and might be addressed through civilian oversight is incredibly important.
0: So with that, now that we've got a good background of who's kind of serving on the task force to create the, um, whether we choose to call it, call it the civilian review board or what have you, you've had some public meetings already. Um, One of the, your first one, I think was quite interesting, I think, but, uh, and you've had a Zoom town hall, what feedback are you getting from the public versus even law enforcement? What type of feedback are you getting? Are you getting different types of feedback from different areas? What is that looking like right now? So far, I think it's, it's
2: looking like there is a general consensus that there are issues that need to be addressed with the Richmond Police Department. Um, that, you know, I think that part of that process is that when we did our first town hall, there were a lot of questions for us about what are the potential powers of oversight bodies? What might this do? What might it look like? Um, And those are all things that we're still in the process of working through because literally there is a different model of oversight in every single city you look at. And so I think that, what we're hoping to do is hear more about um, what are the issues that are being experienced by community members that they would like to see addressed, um, you know, and potentially doing some presentations to give a little bit more background into what the potential powers are so that then people can be a meaningful conversation with us about what they feel the ne- necessity of that is here in Richmond.
3: Eli pretty much hit everything on the head. I will say that, you know, we will be uh, engaging the police department. Um, I have had some informal discussions before this. I believe it was right at the beginning of the, uh, this board being established, this task force being established. And I attended an informal uh, meeting that RPD held and asked about, tried to get, feedback from the police about what they want to see and how this is going to be successful or how they see it being successful. And I didn't get good, I didn't get, I didn't get negative feedback. It was still very informative, but I don't believe it was very informed feedback. I'll just put it like that. Um, So I don't know if RPD knows what our goal is. I don't know what we don't know yet. Um, We've tried reaching out. And we haven't, I don't think, I just think that, you know, things move a little bit slowly and they're busy. I'm not saying that they're not, they're ignoring us, but um, these things may take a little bit more time than, we've been moving very fast So we're expecting everybody else to move fast with us and maybe our PD needs a little bit more time. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, essentially.
1: (laughs) You're kind.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, being diplomatic here, you know. I'm ready to just like go knock on the door of headquarters and say, hey, Smith, um, how about you come talk to us?
3: Same. Same. Or like I see a police officer pulled over on the side of the road, like I'll start at the just regular, you know, I just want something. We need to get some, we need to work together on this because it's going to happen, Um,
2: whether they kick and scream the whole way or not. So let's do this as a team. Well, and the reality is that this is going to work much better mm-hmm. if there is buy-in from various stakeholders. And you know, when we look at other jurisdictions, there are concrete benefits to police departments for for actually supporting effective and engaged oversight. Um, you know, like for example, we look at other districts who or other localities that have mediation as an option, instead of just this adversarial kind of process. Um, and you know what? Both citizens and officers who participate in mediation end up happier with the outcome. Um, and so this really, for the police department, does have the ability to strengthen ties to the community, to to have some positive impacts that would actually make their jobs easier. Um, but they have to work with us in order to Kind of re- recognize that, and also to to get to that point, um, they need to be engaged with the process.
1: Well, yeah, and if they're not engaged too, it does kind of um, hinder like data collection and research as well. Um, and that goes into my next question: is um, you know how are you collecting data and researching to inform your decisions?
2: So we're doing a, a number of things. So we're having presenters come in and speak to us. Um, who have worked on these issues previously. Um, Just last week, we had Sarah Burke, who um, was part of setting up the Charlottesville Civilian Review Board, come speak with us. Um, You know, having that experience and background knowledge was fantastic. We're also looking to have um, national agencies that engage with best practices come speak with us. And of course, we're doing our own research on best practices and how things are implemented in other cities to kind of paint a landscape of what are the available options um, so that then we can think about what fits best for here. And Angela, do you maybe wanna talk a little bit about how we're collecting community input?
3: Um, Yeah, so um, we have a, well, we have a subcommittee that's headed by the amazing Jewel Gatling and I believe Oliver and,
2: Sylvia is on
3: Sylvia it. Sylvia and, and Ed, uh, they do, they're focused on community outreach right now. So, um, well, they're focusing on planning our community outreach. So through um, email, Twitter, the town halls, um, hopefully we'll be setting something up with uh, presenting to RPD or some sort of putting together, some kind of package for them, for us to communicate with them, setting up meetings. Um, and um, as far as data goes, I think we know how you know some of the the practices of, of how RPD keeps their data might not be you know but, but we do know how many cops are on the force and uh, Eli has done an amazing job of of uh, recommending you know best practices. I mean we've all worked together but Eli definitely uh, spearheaded the the that that portion of budgeting and everything, um, but you know, we want the community to give us, we might not be grasping all of the incidents that happen. Um, So during these town halls and things, we really encourage the community or just via email, even Twitter, you know, however you wanna get in touch with us. Um, We might not hear about everything's not recorded and the officers, you know, I think a lot of their uh, use of force is self-reported. So how do we know if a lot of this stuff is happening? Um, so the data isn't, you know, on, in, in that sense, uh, Melissa and, and Francesca, it's not, I don't think it's valid. Maybe it is, but I don't think it is. Did um, that answer your question? I'm sorry.
1: No, absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah, if it's not valid, you're not getting what you, you know, need. Accurate Daily. Yeah. You're not getting what you need. If uh, So yeah. I,
3: think I just checked the website yesterday just to like see if anything's changed over the last few months with reporting and there's like a month that has like zero reported uses of force for the whole police department. And I was like, "Is, that a, is that, that's that gotta be a glitch, right? I'm assuming it's a glitch. So I'm like, should I email somebody and be like, where's your numbers? Yeah. Um, but I don't know.
0: I would, I would say that's a, probably a glitch. It's
2: not the first <laughs> glitch. Let's think back a couple years when RPD didn't include any use of firearms against citizens in their entire annual data. When we know that a handful of them occurred because Mm -hmm. they were in the news. Mm -hmm. Um, So now, yes, we should go email them because Mm -hmm. as soon as that was brought to the public's attention, they went back and- They fixed it. Mm -hmm. They fixed it. Those uses of firearms showed up, Mm -hmm. Um, but- you know, this is one of the reasons that civilian oversight is so important too, is because it shouldn't be people like me and Angela who just happen to be like interested citizens and go and spot these things. There needs to be some kind of administrative accountability. And clearly um, the department isn't doing that for itself when individual citizens are having to go back and say hey where is that data why doesn't it exist
0: Mm
2: -hmm. that's true well and a lot of
1: individual citizens don't even realize they can look at the data that they have the right or you know the wherewithal to question it like they don't think about it and then when it's brought to folks attention they're like well, huh? <laughs> you know, and I think also part of uh, what y'all do is to inspire the community to get more involved and hands-on when it comes to holding uh, the police accountable. So,
2: friendly. well, I would hope so. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But they've got to they they've got to um, extend the olive branch to work with you because otherwise, it just further grows the sense of of contention. You absolutely.
3: know, absolutely. And that's the big picture here, right?
0: Bingo! That's big what the big picture whole... here
3: is: healing this trauma and this thing that's been perpetuating that have been sitting in the backs of our minds for our entire lives. All of us have seen this happen forever. Yep, this is not a new thing. And now we're getting enough legislation happening and things that people are paying attention, to being like, "Wait." let's take off these blinders and really fix this. And we can, and now we have, you know, trauma-informed care and, and, and people approaching, um, you know, the criminal justice system with that lens and seeing why do we really have millions of people incarcerated more than any other country in the, in the world? It's not because we have a bunch of criminals running around. It's this generational, this, this thing that perpetuates itself. It's, Profiling, it's trauma, it's all these different things. And same for police. Like, I want to, I think it's important to say that as a police officer running into things constantly, sometimes they need advocacy too. I don't want a cop going from this to that type of call with a gun. You know, that's not okay. That's obviously not okay because look what's happening. Um, So, ideally, this is going to make everyone's lives more prosperous and easier and us to heal as a community Um, and then also hold those accountable who need to be held accountable uh, just
0: at the top of that that pyramid there probably yep i agree comes first (laughs) i agree i agree we've talked a little bit about data or maybe some lack thereof right (laughs) what um what are you guys looking at uh in terms of criteria Um, of who you'd like to see on the CRB. What does that look like? Who are you looking for? Um, And that could be a range of things. What do they look like? Where do they come from? What types of, you know, socioeconomic class, demographic background, so on and so forth. What is that composition um, look like? What does that need to look like in order for it to work from your standpoint of what you guys are doing on the task force? Angela,
2: you want to take that one first? Sure. Um, so ideally, you know we would
3: like it to be a reflection of the city of Richmond. Um, we want it to be inclusive. Um, one thing that uh, we've we've uh, suggested is is paying the, not just the individuals who work for the city, but also the CRB uh, the, the actual board, which historically board members are not. Paid for their for their, uh, their duties. Um, but in order to be inclusive and be accessible to uh, everyone, we want to make sure that they are paid for their, for their service. Um, even we've talked about, you know, should it be appointed by city council? Should the mayor be able to report people? Um, how, what does that look like? And we're still kind of discussing that process. We, well, I'm not gonna say kind of, we are discussing that process now. Um, it's been, we, we've we kind of had to work a little bit backwards in regards to, you know, getting the budget in before deadline, and now we're kind of coming back and, and polishing things up. Um, but ideally, you know, it's going to be a reflection of the makeup of the city as it stands. Um, and then we'll get all that out and, and you know, written out and everything. Um, but at the same time, I don't want it to, you know, I don't want to say it needs to be this many, um, Um, people with a degree and as many people without it. I think there's some things that, you know, if it's if nobody has a college degree, I don't see a bad problem with that. You know what I mean? So I don't want to be so specific. um, But I do think that socioeconomic status needs to be reflected, um, you know, be a reflection of the city and race as well.
2: And I think that the one thing I would probably add to that is we want to make sure that there are also people who have been from communities impacted by Mm -hmm. over-policing on this. And, you know, there have been some questions that we've gotten from community members about, well, what is the role of law enforcement? Can law enforcement members serve on that task force? And, you know, but state law limits the way that that law enforcement officers are able to participate on that board. Um, Now, there might be other positions within that civilian oversight office that would have some different qualifications. Um, For example, investigators. Might an investigator come from a law enforcement background? Potentially, those might be useful skills, but those job descriptions should also be written in a way, for example, that you can't retire from the Richmond Police Department and then investigate Richmond Police Department officers, right? Um, So there's a lot of thinking about all of the various positions in terms of what are the skill sets needed, what might be conflicts of interest, and how do we also get a diverse representation of our Richmond community? And I think that one of the other important things, though, is that we also want feedback from the public about what they think this body should look like, Um, because, again, that's community feedback is important to us. Yes, we have these specific ideas about what that looks like, um, but in other places, there are other ways of doing it. For example, representation from each city council district potentially or other things like that. So I think that there are a lot of options before us um, and those are definitely some of the priorities that we have coming in. Um, But again, still looking for feedback from the community on those issues as well.
1: Well, what is it looking like in terms of, you know, budget? Because obviously we're in budget season, you know, we're talking heavily about this stuff and like, what are your deadlines for things? So folks know, you know, what to expect coming up.
2: So in terms of the budget, we had to submit our budget request to a council member, um, what, a little over a month ago, Angela?
3: Um, yes. Uh, I know our final budget. We knew they need to get the amendment in by the 14th of April, I believe was the date.
2: Okay. Yeah. They, they had to get their amendments in by the 14th. So we had to bring the, our budget, our proposed budget to a city council member who would then sponsor a budget amendment. Um, There were actually three council members that ended up submitting different budget amendments for the civilian oversight body. Mike Jones introduced the 600,000 close to 600,000 figure, which would have given a half year of funding. Um, In discussions with other city council members, just because of the timeline to get the ordinance passed through council, get jobs posted, get board members recruited because of the posting deadlines for that. um, It became apparent that probably the actual oversight body won't be able to get off the ground until March of next year. Um, And so the two other budget amendments that were proposed were Close to two hundred thousand and two hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars. I think that right now we're looking probably at the two hundred thousand dollar figure, and really that will be something that allows us to get some of the critical components of the civilian oversight body off the ground. Um, and then I think that Angela and I have discussed that probably in our final proposal that we submit to City Council. Um, there will also be a plan in terms of what scaling up might look like, and recommendations for the fi- the next fiscal year budget as well to fully fund the civilian oversight body.
1: And so, what types of like what's where is the funding going? Do you have a breakdown of that? I think I saw uh, when we did the the Zoom town hall, you did have a bit of a breakdown.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and so I think that at this point. We are not certain that every single one of those items from the town hall budget is going to go into what we finally establish, right? Because we're still in the process of gathering community input. But some of the minimum things needed would be, for example, an executive director to oversee that office, um, to oversee the investigators. Um, Obviously you need external investigators, otherwise you have the RPD continuing to investigate itself just like it does with internal affairs now. Um, but then also other expenses like um, legal counsel, or you know pay for s- small stipends for board members, or stipends for um, community members who provide mediation services, if that's something that happens. Um, and so there's a there's a variety of costs potentially an auditor to analyze police data instead of having the Richmond Police Department audit their own data um, because the questions being asked might look different than an internal audit. Um, Having a policy analyst to review police department policies, make suggestions and changes based on best practices, things like that. Um, And so I think that there's a challenge for us too in that a lot of those are administrative roles and obviously we also want to ensure that the board itself has a role that like it's not just this administrative body that it's also a community driven process and so for us thinking through those things as we move forward as well is also important
0: awesome awesome so as you guys are still in the process of you know creating the framework right for where this uh, board will kind of Formulate in terms of uh, structure and people, and what they'll do, what they'll look at. Um, initially, when you all took these positions, have you felt like the the role or the the tone around the CRB and, and even your task force has maybe shifted or changed any? Um, you know, the task force has been something that, um, or the, the CRB actually has been something that has been talked about in the, um, community for quite some time now. And when we finally got legislation to get it right, um, and start putting feet to the ground, you know, everybody's opinions, right. Has the, the role or the original, the origination of what you guys maybe wanted to do versus what you found you can and are allowed to do? Has that changed or shifted? How do you feel about that process now? Because I know that's been, I mean, it's really, it's been a contentious thing and it can kind of be hard sometimes to do what you know needs to be done and function in this way to get this thing moving. But you've got all types of, you know, um, hmm. Noise <laughs> going on sometimes, mm-hmm. um, especially when people have a lot more time on their hands during the pandemic, right? What Absolutely. does that look like? Um, so just in regards to you know what, me personally,
3: what I thought going into this is to in, compared to now, um, Eli and I have been meeting with c- council members, uh, since the but <laughs> all I can think about is budget right now, it's mm-hmm. um. <laughs> It's just, but I am actually, I I mean, yes, there's a lot of red tape and bureaucracy because they're working with the government and we can't just get yes or no answers. There's laws that have to be about, you know, it's, and it's frustrating for us who none of I've worked for the government before, but I've never been in a sworn position where I have to, you know, I'm tasked with such a thing. So um, in that sense, I was expecting it to be difficult now I was not expecting the council members that we have met with, in my opinion, they are very informative and they want this thing to happen. So I that was maybe a pleasant surprise that it was so well, you know, I, I feel like, you know, from what they said when they first made this ordinance, uh, a lot of people uh, sponsored the ordinance to now um, you know, I don't see. I, I didn't feel discouraged when, in meeting with most of them, um, so that that was a pleasant surprise because we. I mean, this wasn't even on the budget at all. That Stoney's budget, it wasn't there. So I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, we have to convince people that I don't even know to like give me six hundred thousand <laughs> <know>? dollars. <laughs> but they were like, yeah, let's get the amendment and let's do it. You know, so. Um, it was, it, it was, um, I, I have to, you know, commend them for, for, for being as easy to work with as humanly possible. I feel like most of, most of the council, you know. I'm not going to name names, but, you know, probably have an idea.
2: <laughs> um, and I would say that I think that the, the very pleasant surprise is that all of the members of the task force, I think have come with very similar goals. Um, we all wanna achieve the same thing. We wanna do it right because we know that it's not gonna work if it's not done right. Um, so that has been, I know that that's not always true on you know, city commissions. Sometimes people can butt heads and things like that. Um, but this has been you know, a, a great task force to work with and I think that in terms of in terms of some of the challenges, um, you know, I think that one of the biggest challenges that I've seen is, um, well, you all were on the town hall. Um, you know, there are clearly some people who are very opposed to any type of police reform. Um, but instead of coming to us and engaging with us about real questions or problems that they might have with that process instead are coming and zoom bombing our town halls and trying to threaten and intimidate right um and so you know I would I would say that if people have problems with the way we're doing things we want to engage in a dialogue about that um but if you're just you know essentially like throwing hate speech out there to intimidate members of the public from coming forward, there's not anything productive that we as a task force can do with that information. Um, so I think that, you know, obviously the, the bureaucracy aspects of it are a bit of a challenge as well. Um, but again, we, we do have some really great people with the city who are working with the task force um, Joyce Davis has been a great resource to us and has, you know, always willing to help us navigate that bureaucracy and things like that. Um, so I think that, you know, despite some of the challenges, I think that we're, we're on a really good track.
1: Well, before we wrap y'all, um, first of all, thank you so much uh, for speaking with us today. Um, And I want to give y'all the opportunity, if there's anything that we haven't touched on that you would like to say uh, to our listeners and followers, and also make sure that y'all let everyone know how they can reach out to you and get involved. Um, All the email and social media and opportunities any upcoming meetings that you would uh, like to uh, promote.
2: Um, Yeah, so I will go ahead and give our email address that is rvacrb at gmail.com. And then our Twitter is, let me just double check it to make sure I have that correct before I drop it.
3: It's the same the at R V A C R B.
2: Okay. At R V A C R B. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are those are two good ways to get in touch with us. Um, Also our weekly task force meetings, Wednesday nights at 6.30, Um, those are open to the public. You can find the Zoom link for that on our Twitter. Um, It's also on the city website. I know it can be hard to find there though, so I would just go to our Twitter for the Zoom link. Um, Our outreach subcommittee meetings are also open to the public. Those are every Thursday at 6 p.m. Again, you can find the Zoom link for that on our Twitter page. So, and I will also mention that we are working on getting a website up um, so that the public can more easily find all of this information that'll be all compiled in one place. Um, and so we hope to have that up soon as well.
3: Um, and I will, you know, i have covered everything in regards to how to reach out to us. Um, you know, there's really nothing else that uh, I can think of that I want to add except you know, please come and, you know, if there are any police officers listening, can you just send, connect with us on Twitter? Let's start a conversation. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not joking, um, but it is, but kind of. Um, so anybody with feedback, please come um, communicate with us, come to our meetings. Um, we also will be having another town hall. Um, we have don't have a date set yet, but our goal for that town hall is to have a framework uh, for what we want this to look like and to get feedback based on that. Um, and another thing I was going to say, and it just slipped right out of my head. Oh, in regards to giving feedback, um, we, we want to reassure people who are providing feedback that you are kept confidential when you do join these our Zoom calls. Um, don't feel obligated to share your screen, share your name. Uh, we want to create a, a safe environment, possible for individuals who might not feel comfortable. If you do email us, um, we're not going to go, you know, blast your email all over the place, regardless if you're, you know, for or against us. If you're, if it's negative, we might just delete it. But uh, we want constructive criticism, <laughs> also. <laughs> so.
1: Well. Thank y'all so much. Thank you for your service. Thank you for doing this because I don't think people realize this is a volunteer thing. Um, Y'all are putting in hours and days and I mean, middle of the night, blood, sweat and tears stuff to make sure that this goes off uh, the way that it should. So Mm -hmm. uh, just thank you. For your service, if nobody's thanking you, they should.
2: <laughs> they you. they are luckily. So, yes. yes. Good. <laughs> um, yes. Um, people have been very grateful for the work we're doing, and and we appreciate that because it is a lot of work. And mm-hmm. um. But also, thank you to to both of you for having us on so that we could get the word out about this more. Mm-hmm. Um. Hopefully, create some additional community engagement around this, um, because that's what we really want.
1: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yes,
1: please. Like, yes, use, all of you who are listening, use uh, the social media to start a conversation with the uh, the task force, with us about it. I mean, that's what we're all about. We want to make sure that the information is getting out there and the conversations are being started and had. Uh, yeah. We can't do this alone. Mm-hmm. So, And I
2: follow RVA Dirt on Twitter, too. So I'm going to see those conversations. That's right. Y'all are having them with them.
1: Thank you so much. And, Fran, you want to do the
0: outro? Sure. Richmond, again, thank you all for listening today. Thank you for our guests for joining us. We appreciate the conversation. You can continue this conversation or start a new one with us on all social media at RVA Dirt. And you know what time it is RPS it was fully funded last year but we need them to be fully funded this year and so we need that budget to crackle and get sexy on us for us please so we need that going thank you very much let's make that work and we need new jersey with. okay just thought i'd throw that in there i end flint still has dirty water and now so does new jersey and so does petersburg and so we probably do too so we need to work on that too
1: okay
0: and last but certainly not least i know it you know it we all know it together richmond is most certainly still racist but we're working on it one task force at a time talk to you next week <laughs>